Well, good morning. And I'm excited to be here together with you guys as we get to be in God's Word. And this is something that's exciting and new opportunity for me of just being able to preach what God has put on my heart this week. Uh, this has been a cool summer of where us as elders have been challenged to be in God's Word and to also be thinking of how to teach. And when we were prepping, we had a whole bunch of subjects. And I decided to choose rest. And if you know me well, you know rest is something I struggle with. And so it's the perfect topic to preach about. And so before we dive into God's word, uh, will you join me in prayer? Jesus, Lord, I just pray that you come. That you convict us, that you work on our minds, our thoughts, and I pray that you are the one speaking. Nothing I have here, Lord, it's you. I pray for the congregation, for the people sitting out there, Lord, that as we go into your word, that you will reveal to us who you are. Who, are, who you are through what Christ was saying in Matthew 11. Lord, I pray that as we think, meditate, and dwell on this idea of rest, Lord, that we can actually practice it and do it, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for who you are and for the work that you're doing and for the opportunity to come here and give you the praise. Thank you for everything that you're doing and in your name. Amen. Well, when thinking of how to preach about rest, I thought maybe we should take like a, what they do in kindergarten and have a little nap time. But I don't think that's applicable to what we're going to do, be looking at Matthew 11. So Jared, you need to stay awake and no nap time during rest. I'm preaching about rest, but you need to be awake the whole time. So as we look at Matthew 11... I titled this Gleanings from Christ, The Meaning of True Rest. And for those of you that like to know what's going on, I always love knowing about history. And you might be wondering, what does gleaning mean? Now, gleaning is something, you know, you take it, you might know the, how it fits in. But if you look at the history, gleaning is gathering the leftover grain or other produce after a harvest. So after the machine or the people would take the hay back then, they would gather what was left over and bundle it. And so in the same way, when we say gleanings from Christ, it's extracting information from various sources, and we collect it gradually in little by little. And so I want to challenge us when we think about this gleanings from Christ. It's a gradual process. I don't need to have everything figured out about Christ when I'm walking with him. I don't need to have true rest figured out just here in a Sunday. Christ reveals us reveals himself to us little by little. And it's by being in his word that we can glean from who he is. And so that's the point of today. As we look at some of Christ's sayings, 
what can we take and apply to our life? What's something that we can glean from who Christ is? Two weeks ago was Christ's first miracle with the wedding feast. We can see his power and what he was doing in that. Also, last week we talked about love. Christ's love, what we can take from that and apply to our life. And today we're going to look at rest. Now, rest is something that has been talked about. We know it's good. And to start off, I would like to share to you what the world thinks about rest. And these are quotes that I found online and from many different sources. Now, the Mind Journal, they want to look at how your mind works, and this is something that was there. Respect your body when it's asking for a break. Respect your mind when it's seeking rest. Honor yourself when you need a moment for yourself. That's good. Now, Anne Lamont, who is an American novelist and nonfiction writer, she's also a progressive political activist and public speaker. She's based in California, said this. Rest and laughter are the most spiritual and subjective acts of all. Laugh, rest, slow down. Uh, Banksy, who is an England-based street artist, political political activist and film director said, if you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. Robert De Niro, you might know who he is, is the American actor, producer, and director said, you'll have time to rest when you're dead. <laughs> bon Jovi, in a song, you might know Bon Jovi, says, gonna live when I'm alive, I'll sleep when I'm dead. The world has a view of rest and what they see as rest. It's, they think of it as a stopping, and that's all. I went on the internet again and looked up the definition of rest. And it says, cease work of movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. An instance or period of relaxing or ceasing to engage in strenuous or stressful activity, which is good. We all need some time to relax. Our bodies hurt. Our bodies ache. We need time to kind of get it so we can keep going to the next thing. But in Matthew 11, Christ challenges how we think of rest. And that's what I want to bring to us today of, are we actually resting in Christ? Do we actually understand what rest is? Because I know my body tells me when I need a break. But if I'm walking with Christ, do I actually hear him say, come rest in me? Do I actually see when I need to come to him and rest in him? So will you join me as I read the last five verses of Matthew 11? At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden, my burden is light. So as we look at Matthew 11, there are three parts of these verses that are important to know about rest. And the first is there is a call and command for rest. And with the point of breaking Matthew 11 apart as we look at these last two verses, is I want us to get this understanding of the rest that call, the call for rest that Christ is commanding us for. So there is a call and command for rest. The command is come to me. We are called to come, and that coming requires to submit and not go our own path. When you have a dog or you have a kid, funny that they're both in the same sentence, and you say, come, it's usually because they're running in an opposite direction and you want them to come near to you. In the same way, Christ is saying, come to me. We have our own way that we want to go, and Christ is saying, come to me. We actually need to know that, hey, I need to turn around and I need to come to Christ. Because many of times, we want it our way. We don't want to come. Uh, Molly has a dog named Finnegan, and Finnegan has not learned the word come that well when other dogs are around because he wants to play. But also when we say come, we want to go. He doesn't like coming. And in the same way, Christ wants us to come. There's requirements to come. All who are weary and heavy laden. Who has burdens? We need to recognize that we have problems and burdens and can't do it on our own strength. If you have the illusion that you are perfect, that you don't have problems, I think you might need to go see a shrink. <clears throat> we all have things that burden us, that are on our mind. And Christ clearly says, all who are weary and heavy laden. There's things that are probably on our minds right now that we need to think, am I coming to Christ about? David talks about this in Psalms 55, 22, and it says, turn your burdens over to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will never let the righteous person stumble. David recognized he had burdens. And he was also saying, go to the Lord. The result in this call and command is, I will give you rest. Christ supplies and wants to give us rest if we come to him. Now, one of the things I love doing is when I look at verses like this, I want to see the whole context. And I looked at the Greek word, and I am not a Greek scholar. Sorry, Herb. Um, and the word is anapao. And it's to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength, to give rest, 
refresh or to give oneself rest. And so Christ, in the same sense, is saying, I will give you rest. I'll give you that moment to cease from any movement, from ceasing from my own struggles, what I want. This is what Christ is saying, and this is the result. The second thing that we see in Matthew 11 is that the actions, there's actions needed for rest. There's the how-tos of achieving rest are not the way that we think we can gain rest. When Christ says that he will give you rest, we're thinking, okay, I get to go to a beach, I get a lawn chair, I get a layout, I get to do nothing. That's not what Christ says. The first one is, come to me. It shows us the areas Where we are not coming to Christ about, we need to come to him. When he says, come to me, do I come to him at work? Do I come to him when my children are not behaving? Do I come to him when my siblings are being annoying? Do I come to him when I lost my keys? Do I come to him when there's death and tragedy? You can name something, and do we actually come to him in those moments? Do we actually say, Lord, I need you in this time? There's so many call and responses in the Bible of that come to me of, you know, you can look where it says, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Or John 14, 6, where Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That come to me is so crucial in how we live our lives as Christians. If we've accepted that Christ died on the cross and he is the one that paid for our sins, this action of coming needs to be in every moment. It's not, oh, I know Christ did this. I came to him. I'm with him. Yes, Christ is with us. But each day, it's that taking up of the cross. It's that coming to him And that's where the rest can start. Another action that is needed for rest is take my yoke upon you. If you've noticed, these are not the ideal things that we think about rest. If you think of a yoke, a yoke is something that puts two animals of similar kind, size, strength together. But also the yoke was used for training of a young bull with the old bull to show them the way that they should go. Christ is telling us to take my yoke upon you. And when he's talking about my yoke, it's his work. Christ is wanting us to walk with him, to do his work with him. So he says, come to me, take my yoke upon you, which means come do the work with me. And this third action is learn from me. In the same way that the young bull learns from the old bull, Christ wants us to learn from his. The reason why I wanted us to be looking at Matthew 11 is because Christ is teaching and showing the Jews what's going on in their lives. 
They were so focused on the laws that they were not seeing where their hearts were focused on. It was themselves, the traditions. And in the same way, we get stuck on those things. Christ wants us to learn from him. He wants us to hear his teaching for us to grow. Not just for him to say, I told you so, you messed up, you need to actually, you know, come to me. This word learn, in the same way when we look at the Greek word, is manthano, which is to be apprised, to increase, or to be increased in one's knowledge. To hear, be informed, to learn by use, and actually practice. So not just sitting in school, learning about history. How do you actually apply it? And that's what Christ is saying. That learn from me is I'm giving you commands. I'm giving you this come to me. I'm giving you this learn from me for you to actually use. For you to use as you walk with me. Now if you want... I'm going to bring us to Hebrews 12. And in Hebrews 12, I think it brings us a focus of how we can learn from Christ. And as we look at Hebrews 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, there's an importance that comes with learning from Christ. And it says, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and the perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This learning from Christ comes from looking at his life. Christ can say, come to me, learn from me, take my yoke up, because he did that. He bared the cross. He walked the walk and talked the talk. Christ shows us here by his life, and we can see it in Hebrews 12 of when we're running a race, we need to come to him because he's done it. And also, he gives the credentials of why we can learn from him. I am gentle and humble in my heart. Why is this important? Why is it important to know that Christ is humble and gentle? And I think it comes from if I'm looking at a leader, if a leader is proud and wanting things his way, we might be turned off to it because he might not see everything that's going on. Because it's his way or the highway. Which Christ does make clear His way or the highway. But he comes with this heart that is gentle and humble in heart because he shows mercy. He's a just God, but he shows mercy. He's a God that wants every part of us. 
And that's why we have come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Henry Drummond, a Scottish evangelist, biologist, writer, and lecturer, said these words. Christ's invitation to the weary and heavy laden is a call to begin life over again upon a new principle. Upon his own principle. Watch my way of doing things, he says. Follow me. Take life as I take it. Be meek and lowly, and you will find rest. It ultimately comes from the Lord, not from myself. The third thing that we see in Matthew 11 is there's a result of following the call Christ has given and doing the actions he instructed. First thing, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I gave you a Greek word earlier about rest, and this was this rest for your souls is a little bit different, and I found it interesting. Our first one was anapao, and this one is I'm sorry for those that study Greek. I'm probably butchering all of this. Is anopasis, which is intermission, cessation of any motion, business or labor, rest or recreation. And Christ is saying, I will give you rest for your souls. And when he says souls, it's your innermost being. If I am coming to Christ, I will be at peace because I'm not working on my own strength. We are in sense working with Christ, which in turn will give us rest. This idea for rest for our souls is so important. There's a result of actually coming, learning, taking up the yoke, doing the work. Chuck Swindoll says, in place of our exhaustion and spiritual fatigue, God will give us rest. All he asks is that we come to him, that we spend a while thinking about him, meditating on him, talking to him, listening in silence, occupying ourselves with him, totally and thoroughly lost in the hiding place of his presence. It's that being in communion with Christ. That rest for your souls comes with walking with Christ. Comes with saying, Lord, I need you in this moment. He also says something else in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I would like to highlight, it does not say the burden is gone. The burden of sin in life does not go away, but it becomes light. When I submit and obey Christ, he walks alongside me. He lightens the load, which in turn gives me rest. I need to be made lowly to recognize my need for Christ's work in my life. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we work with Christ, he's doing the work. He's that old bull teaching the young bull and directing the path. My burden is light. 
He's allowing us to go through life knowing that he already paid the price. I don't have to pay the price of sin. But there's still sin. I'm still going to have to walk through with that burden. But Christ is there walking with me if I come to him. Henry Drummond, which I already quoted earlier, and he's been an interesting guy of, got to love those Scottish people, of just how direct he was. And he said, Men sigh for the wings of a dove, that they may fly away and be at rest. But flying away will not help us. The kingdom of God is within you. We aspire to the top to look for rest. It lies at the bottom. Water rests only when it gets to the lowest place. So do men. Hence, be lowly. Are you lowly? Can you say that every action I do, I come to the Lord? In the mundane, in the moments when stuff at work is not going well, when something bad happens, when something good happens, do I recognize God's work in that and do I constantly come to him? So there's a question. So why is rest important? We just broke down Matthew 11. We got to see what Christ is saying, but why is it important? And to end our time, I want to jump to Hebrews 4. And Hebrews 4 is a passage that talks about the promise of rest. And as we're thinking about how Christ says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For my burden is light and the yoke is easy. This promise of rest, Christ talks about throughout the Bible. Christ is, also in the Old Testament, God shows it in different things that happened back then. And I want us to see this from 4, Hebrews 4, as we look at this. So read along as I start in verse 1. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said, Somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the, this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day today, saying, 
through David after so long a time, just as has been said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I was reading a MacArthur's commentary, and he says, when it says his rest, this is the rest which God gives. Therefore, it is called my rest, or his rest, not Lyle's rest, not Raul's rest. This is the rest that God gives. And for believers, God's rest includes his peace, confidence of salvation, reliance on his strength and assurance of a future heavenly home. This rest that Christ is talking about is not the tranquil laying on a beach spot, sipping coconut water, looking at somewhere in Hawaii. This rest is in what Christ is doing, what Christ has done, what he has promised. Also in Hebrews 4, it talks about a Sabbath rest and the Sabbath. And in turn, it's a day set apart or rest set apart. And it gives the example in verse 8 of, For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. This coming to him is a set-apart time of where I'm not doing what Lyle wants to do. In that same way of when I'm coming to him, I'm saying, Lord, this is your time, and that rest I have is because I'm seeing God work. And it's not when I first accept him, it's every day. It's in the moments when I'm saying, Lord, I need you. You know, I love when it talks about rest, and it goes on this line, talks about Sabbath rest. And then he hits verse 11, and he says, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Rob preached about obeying Christ and what that looks like in our lives. And in obedience, we're able to enter Christ's rest. But we need to be diligent. We need to be aware that we don't always come to him. And in that same line, 
He says, For the word of God is a living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You may be wondering, what does that have to do with rest? That has everything to do with rest. God's word is where we get to see where our hearts are, where our intentions are, where I'm going. God directly talks to us and says, hey, wake up. You need to see what I'm directing you for. And then there's something that's convicting at the beginning of this chapter. In verse 2 where it says, For indeed we have heard good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Do I actually hear God's word? I can tell you what I just read. But do I actually live it out? Is there a faith in knowing that God said this, that God is real, that he is working, and does it go in every aspect of my life? It doesn't profit me if it's just knowledge. I need to have faith knowing that Christ does have the requirements for me to come, the credentials for me to come to him every day. And so the three questions to ask ourselves when thinking about rest is one, do I actually spend time in his word and obey Christ in all areas of my life? When we think about this, When I'm in his word and I'm obeying Christ, I get to see what Christ has for me in my life. It's that coming to him and communing with Christ. I'll give you an example of, I got correction at work this week while working on this. My flesh wanted to say, I understand where you're coming from, but this is where I'm coming from. But if I'm resting in Christ, I'm going to see, okay, I see where you're coming from. I need to check my heart and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. When things are difficult and on my mind, do I say, Lord, I need your help in this moment? Or do I actually come to his word and say, what can I learn for the day? How can I actually do it? Second question is, what does it look like to be diligent in entering God's rest in my life? The first one that we start with is his word and obey Christ. We can find how we obey Christ in his word. But then the second one is, what does it look like to be diligent in entering God's rest in my life? Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. We get to see disobedience throughout the Bible of where Israel disobeyed Christ, went into captivity, 
called out to Christ. A judge was sent, and the cycle continued and continued. And we see disobedience, and we know that it doesn't always work out, but we still fall into that same cycle. (laughs) So what does it look like to be diligent in entering God's rest in my life? And it's that, do I put up safeguards? Do I actually spend time in his words? Do I actually say, I need to come to him today? Or I know I'm going to struggle because I'm so tired at this point that I need to go reach out to somebody and say, hey, pray for me in this moment. Or am I going to do it on my own strength? I got this. The third question I want to ask us is when I am seeking Christ's kingdom in my everyday life, Am I focused on getting things done my way, or am I concerned on entering his rest? Because we can have a kingdom, Christ's kingdom focus. Yes, this is for God's glory. But is it, I need to do A, B, C, D? Or am I concerned, I need to come to him today, and that's going to enable me to serve the youth group kids to go out and knock doors because I'm coming to Christ and hearing the call that he's giving. This rest that Christ is giving us is so that we're not so worried on the details. It's that coming to him and he will give us the rest because he is working and we're working alongside with him. In your bulletin, you have your notes, but I also gave you another sheet. And it's a questionnaire about rest. And for those that may be wondering what it is, I took these questions and I made them applicable during the week. And I actually did it this week. And it was hard. You start at that first question, and you talk about God's word. I can tell you that I read his word. I can tell you what I read about. Did I actually live it out? Ooh, let's see. How did I actually apply God's word and walk with him in that day if I read it? And as the questions go on, you know, there's moments when I am diligent to go ask the Lord. But when were moments when you weren't? Can you see that during your day? And then when you get to that final question of, was my heart focused? What was my heart focused on? (laughs) I can name a lot of things that my heart was focused on. And throughout the day, it wasn't always focused on Christ. So that walking with Christ, coming to Christ, it takes that reality check. And I challenge you, if you want a way of checking yourself through a day, work through that questionnaire. Because I will let you know, each day this week, after I got home through my day, it was hard of writing down those questions, and then seeing 
sometimes where my heart was. It wasn't always focused on Christ. If we have a relationship with Christ, we want to walk with him. But it's hard. We have things that are trivial all around us. When Christ promised rest, it is not the way the world sees it. His rest is eternal and allows us to go through life having peace, knowing that he is working and that I don't have to carry it all by myself. Charles Spurgeon said this, The bow cannot be always bent without fear of breaking. Repose is, a needful, is as needful to the mind as sleep to the body. Rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. So as we think of rest, and we look at Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How are we going to live that out? Are we communing with Christ? Are we saying, Christ, I want to enter your rest? Is that your heart's desire? It's not just the desire of when I recognize my need for Christ. It's a desire for every moment if I want Christ to be the center. It's when, I tempt, when I'm tempted. It's when I'm at work. It's when I'm in my family. It's when I'm just having a quiet time. Christ calls us to come. There's an action. Are we actively trying to pursue God in this pursuit of rest? So will you pray with me as we think about this word? Jesus, Lord, thank you for the rest that you give. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. But many times we don't. Lord, I pray for this congregation that as we think about your word and this call to come to you, that we honestly think, what areas in my life do I need to give over to you? What areas am I struggling to see the rest that you give, Lord? Ultimately, it starts with by being in your word and by actually talking to you. Lord, I pray that for me this week, that as I go through life, that I can honor you. That I can see you work, Lord. And I pray for people here that are struggling with things or don't know who you are. And they might have heard that he gives rest. That they can think of, you give rest because you sacrificed yourself to take our sin. We can have rest in knowing that you are already working and worked in our lives. And in the same sense of if there's sickness, if there's hard stuff, if there's sin in our lives, 
You want to give us rest in those moments, but we have to actually come to you. We have to give those over to you. We have to submit and lay that down before your feet. Lord, I pray that you make this family, brothers and sisters, that unite in faith, wanting to follow you. United in wanting to honor you and constantly come to you no matter what's thrown at us, Lord. That's our plea. That's our wish. Thank you again for this time. In your name, amen.